Welcome to Americana Quill, writer to writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend to like subscribe. Today, I am fortunate to have my dear friend, Humberto Ona, also known as H. Billy. Um, we both read a, a book that we truly enjoyed, although it's more of a picture table book, or coffee table book, I would say. It was still an enjoyable read, along with the photos as well, which is the Kobe Bryant, the Mama Mentality, How I Play. So we're going to get into it and just talk about it a bit, especially since um, it's been now officially a year since it's passing. So I thought this would be a great time just to kind of visit childhood moments along with it. So thank you, H, for, for being here. No, I'm excited because when I read this book, I got it. Well, I asked for it, but then I got it for Christmas. And oh, snap. My I'm sorry about this. My um, my name is wrong. <laughs> Oh good. I found that funny. Here we go. Uh, so basically, when I when I found out that this book was out, right, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta see what this is about, and I got it for Christmas. Yes, I got mine right here. Yeah, I got it for Christmas, and I was just so intrigued because this was before his passing, definitely before his passing. Two years and, um, before, in 2018. Yeah, but I got it literally the Christmas before. Oh, okay. Literally the Christmas before. So I got it, uh, what's that, one month before the tragic passing, right? His tragic passing and everyone else on a helicopter. And I just, Kobe is inspirational. Like, everything he does, you, you could tell he does everything with a passion. And if not mm -hmm. a passion, he does everything at 100%. And that, to me, is is amazing and can be applied across anything, right? I know he's more so basketball focused in his teachings, but really I think what he did is effective if you take it into any world, so. No, it is, it. absolutely. Um, for me, the reason I remember, um, what was sad was I think the night before me, you and um, my significant others and my brother, we're celebrating my birthday party out in Manhattan. Then the next day is when we found out about the plane situation. So for me, it was like, it was a great day. And then that moment happened. I was like, wow. Like, and I didn't know why I felt so affected, but I think it was because of the mentality that he absolutely left behind of, of being I, focused and going for something. It was my father's birthday. We were at his birthday. Well, we had just left the, the birthday lunch. Mm -hmm. to that news it was like it was like the craziest thing because i like you said it, it affected a lot of people and everybody was trying to figure out i think for a lot of people who weren't like avid basketball fans they oh, all realized how much of an impact he still had on them and they were trying to figure out like why does this feel so close to home right because as a celebrity you know people react to celebrities passing but no, they don't really know these people. But for some reason, we all felt like invested in Kobe. Like something about the way he moved felt like it was a part of us. And I just think it's the the constant inspiration. Like you can tell he was very serious about every aspect that he took on. And we wanted to be more like someone like him or any of the greats. It's not just a Kobe Bryant. When you right. realize the greats have all these personality traits, they have this work ethic and they have a lot of similarities across each other. So that's why there's these people that just at the top of all their fields and we all connect to them, especially when they pass, like Michael Jackson. When he passed, right. the world was in shock. And yeah. for me, I, I, I don't really remember like going through an entire Michael Jackson album, but his music was so prevalent and how impactful he was at the top of everything he did. Every time he dropped something, it took over the world. That is what we feel connected to. And that's what we aspire to be more like, even if it's not to be a, a musician or a basketball player. No, I totally agree with that. And I think he found a way to package his mentality. Like, same thing with Nipsey. He found a way to package his mentality to let you know what he stands by, his integrity, right? So the Mamba mentality, I guess, is like his core values and... So I think that's what was so deep and important and, and profound that everybody wanted to get a little bit more of. And he just used sport as the as the, the medium to tell the story, I felt like, mm -hmm. in this book. Yeah. So what I first enjoyed was um, in the book was not only just the pictures, but more importantly, of him being excellent. But 
I really enjoyed the um the forward by Paul Gasol where he talks about just the man he knew and how he had to encourage him to kind of like let people see a little bit of another side of you. However, like mm-hmm. his focus is what got him to get where he's at and like how change his own helped him change his life. Um, probably not just becoming a champion, but showing him how to be excellent on other avenues of the game. And I also think it was the way he was accepted by Kobe. Kobe really built a relationship with him and Kobe knew he was the right person to push because I think, and this is, this is from Kobe's mouth, right? Mm-hmm. He basically knew he could really work with a Paul Gasol and right. create the dynamic and the teamwork that he's always wanted. And yeah. Paul Gasol, well, this was all possible with him because of how receptive he was. But Kobe took it beyond, right? Like Kobe would communicate with him in, in Spanish. Spanish. And I thought that was impeccable. And you could tell that was the impact that Paul Gasol to this day always talks about. It was how deliberate Kobe was with everything and how he would really bring people into his world, even if it, even if they couldn't handle it. But in Paul Gasol's case, he could. And a lot of people, either they talked about how much they hated being, um, being asked to work out with Kobe because they knew he was going to go hard beyond right. probably what they are used to. But it's very cool how Kobe and Paul Gasol really became Built one that brotherhood. Real team. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. So, like, just the four that he wrote, I thought, now that he's passed and I read it after the passing, I was like, oh, wow. Like, no. Yeah, you could tell, like, there was a deep reverence and deep respect for them amongst mm-hmm. each other. So I thought that was pretty cool. Start off the book with him doing the forward. And this came out, I think, 10 years before um, Kobe was traded around. I mean, not Kobe, sorry. Paul Powell was traded. So, like, the first day he was traded, they instantly went to a room to watch film together to get ready for like the next opponent. And mm-hmm. it wasn't much of a hi, how you doing? It was more like, let's get to work. We got a championship to, to get. Mm-hmm. For him to be receptive of that, I thought was, was pretty cool too. Showed you, they was on the same wavelength. Yeah, so I guess my first question, um, although we kind of been just going into it, what was what would you consider one of your favorite parts of the book? Or one of the different parts of the moment, moments of the book? Which is hard for this type of book because it's like a picture table, coffee table book. I know it's a it's a coffee table book, but I feel like the ideas were very potent. And like I know I, I heard from other people that they wish he was he would go more in depth on some of the things he spoke about, like you know his mind frame or why he did certain things. But I I felt like it was potent. Like yeah, it was not not many words of fluff it was this is what i did this is how it was effective and this is like where i was coming from when i started that habit and i thought that was amazing so for me it was several things that i feel like stick with me super hard it was his idea to train earlier in the morning so that way he can rest go back to training in the middle of the day rest again and go back to training and his idea was if a guy is working out uh, three, three hours a day, right? He would do two to three hour sessions, three to four times a day. Right. Insane. So he was recovering in between workouts by eating, taking his naps, reading, and, and having his time with his family, which was also incredible to me how he found a balance to still do both. Right. But I thought that was an amazing part of the book because we are all trying to figure out how to accomplish something. We're all trying to figure out how to make more time. Like, how do we have more time? And it's not really about more time. It's about effectively using the 24 hours. And I thought that was a very, very powerful idea that he even thought about if I change my schedule around, I could get more workouts in. And by the end of the summer, when a guy probably worked out 100 hours, I've done 350 hours of working out. And I thought that was amazing. He was quantifying his effort throughout the span of time. And the the crazy thing is he even kept the time schedule even during the season. They never stopped him waking up at that time, right? He built that routine where it was second nature. And he did that. That's why he was able to get so many other books out, right? Even after his passing, they already had so many books ready to go because of his work ethic. And that's just a proper time management, I guess, is one of them. It's like like a Tupac idea. Right. That's like his initial principle is time management to me. It was like, all right, this is how I know you this break is a little off, hours. 
But this makes me think about the pursuit of happiness with Will Smith, how he had uh-huh. developed the technique of cold calling the doctors or whoever he was calling in the movie. He realized by not hanging up the phone, he would save valuable time. And by not going through the exact list in the order that he was provided, he could get to the most important calls quickly by just hanging up the hitting the button to hang up and continuing dialing. And that's like Tupac. I heard the strategy that when he was in a booth, he would never leave the booth to hear the song. He would go in the booth, write the entire song, record the song, and then say, give me the next beat. He would never leave the booth area. And that's like that mentality. That's why like certain people could accomplish so much. It's amazing. No, I agree. And I think it's just not only prioritizing your time, but I notice when you, when you create a list and then you knock out the things on the list, if you prioritize the list too, Mm-hmm. It makes things go by faster, and then you have more time in your day. Where people thinking you're working 24 hours, when you probably only did seven to eight because you minimize the the parts that aren't important, right? The distractions, virtually, right? right. Like the things that we want to say is important, but they're not really priority, right? Like if you if you know you guys sit down in a chair for four hours to do a podcast or to write, if you have water next to you, I don't have to keep getting up to get water, right? It's like you might as well keep water by your side. They're like. It's just certain small things that make the time go by faster. You know, you get distracted by TV, but you need something to block out the white noise. Play the right background music. It's just different things that helps propel you to stay focused on whatever the task is that can maybe finish much faster than anticipated. So I thought that was pretty cool. And in the book, when he talks about Michael Jordan, he says he asked him a ton of questions, which I thought was pretty interesting. Cause I thought that was like, amazing. Right. Why would you not ask whoever's the best at whatever you, oh, whoever's perceived to be your best, the best, and ask them a ton of questions to gain the knowledge that's needed, and if not, figure it out with some of the things he might give you. Because I'm sure Jordan didn't give him everything, but he gave him just enough for him to do his own research and get more information. And I think that's very key to me when reading this book. Other people have done that idea, and it just shows you like that approach is is something that high level performing people have all adopted. Master P did it when he went to Michael Jackson's lawyer and figured out the publishing split to make him one of the top selling and top earning record labels of all time in history, whether or not people want to give him credit. Kanye West used to do the same thing. And obviously he has accomplished so much in music. He was not scared to go to somebody and look dumb, yeah. right? And he did it. It didn't matter to him if they didn't want to tell him if he was embarrassed in a moment. It's like Confucius says: when you ask a question, he who asks a question is dumb for that moment. He who doesn't ask a question is dumb forever. You know. Right. So it's like if you're going to get the information or not, that's on you. But if you want to be effective, you need to get that information. I think it comes down to, to um, the thought process that there's no such thing as a stupid question. Like, it's just mm-hmm. that simple. And I think Kobe really <laughs> transcribed to that. Because I'm sure he knew how to do a fadeaway, but how did you do your fadeaway? You know what I'm saying? I'm sure it was, like, those things. To somebody then, else on the surface, I'm sure it sounds dumb. Like, it's a fadeaway. It's like, I bet you if you hear from Michael Jordan, there's a whole other thing that he could tell you that you never even thought was a part of it. Right, like, where is, the, where is his eyes looking when he's, like, fading away? You know, like, it's the little nuances like that I'm sure Kobe was in love with, which kept him... Mm-hmm. pursuing excellence because I don't student think it's just yeah yep. or a student at a craft right it, like mm-hmm. with music I'm sure there's little nuances that you still want to perfect even though you think you've got a great grasp compared to mm-hmm. probably a whole bunch of other people and then the next page after that is just do it even though he signed to Nike I think that was like a double entendre on his part mm-hmm. it's also about him just following through which I thought was, was pretty interesting in the book it's like the way he follows through he even talks about the, in the book, like um, his, just his routine of like recovery when he was playing as an athlete. Those parts didn't pertain to me, but just the idea of routine over mm-hmm. time, over time, over time. It's just a, it's just a habit, right? And it's mm-hmm. like you have so many bad habits. It's like he found a way to make a lot more good habits within his routine, and I think that that's what I got out of. Speaking that of area um, in the book. habits, because. Every time you say something, it leads into another thought that I have no, about no, the book. Um, there was a part, it says, he says a big shot is just another shot. Mm. And I thought that was amazing because he actually spoke about his routine. And, and he was more concerned 
with the the skill building, right? I'm gonna shoot this shot one thousand times, and I'm gonna get it under my belt, and I'm gonna get it within my arsenal to the point it's not a big deal. So when other people are like, you know, clamming up during a big shot moment, a buzzer beater moment, like the team needs you, to him is like I've done that shot a million times. I've drilled that in my head, and even he went further as to envision the shot over and over and over again. All the shots he would make, he would envision them before the game would even start. So that just showed you his routine and his mind was, it, it was the, the, it just goes back to habit building. It was amazing. Right. I love that. And he, he learned that habit a lot from Phil Jackson, if I'm not mistaken, of like visualization and, and those different types of tools of meditation, which a lot of successful people say they do. So it just shows you that although there's different ways to reach success, some things are just common core things that should be adapted, which is good habits, um, meditation, it seems like, and just scheduling mm -hmm. your time and having fun in that balance. And now he, he also goes into like certain people that impacted his life. And I thought what was important was the person that had more rings than him besides Jordan is um, Bill Russell. And he said, you don't win rings by accident is what Bill Russell told him. And I'm not thinking of rings for me for, in basketball, but like you don't you don't reach success if you only do it one time, right? If you only do that, something. That's exactly times. what that ring is, yeah. So I thought that was a great reminder for me just to like keep going on the path. Like it's like a continuous, you just gotta keep going kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And a good coach could be a mentor. He talked about different mentors in the book as far as like Tech Winter teaching him damn near geometry with the triangle offense. Yeah, yeah. And, and Phil Jackson and things like that. And what I love is his attention to detail when he talked about reading the ref's manual script so he knew where he could cheat at, where he could hold that because they got to watch certain zones of the court as refs depending on where the ball's at. So he, somebody willing to do that yeah. is like way beyond their job description. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty uh, cool. It just shows you, though, there's so much more that can be utilized to accomplish, right? Like, we, everyone thinks, oh, if I practice my jump shot, you know, if I practice, you know, my dribbling, I'll be a great basketball player. But what about going above and beyond and reading the, the ref's handbook, right? It's like no one is thinking of, have, of all the ways they can have the edge. And that's what he did. Like, his whole thing was, how do I get the edge? Like, him, his success was not by accident. He was thinking beyond right. where other people would stop. It was amazing. Like, I, honestly, I love this book. Because no, I'm same. all about the psyche. I'm all about the psyche and how. Like, that's my biggest thing. How right. and why, to, to me, if you could figure out those two questions, when you go right. into anything, you can accomplish, obviously, with the work, but you can accomplish a lot. Because if you just think, I'm going to do this, but you don't figure out the how, like in how in depth it could be, like what's the how to this and also the why, which is how I get through when I'm tired of something. I know why I have to do this. Right. It's like the same, similar to people saying you should have the end goal in mind. It's mm -hmm. basically the same thing with the how and the why. So mm -hmm. that makes sense. What I appreciate is like him being able to adapt, right? Because in the book, he talked about when he broke his finger and he could never shoot the ball the same. So he had to relearn how to shoot again which probably took another 10,000 hours just to like master it again. Because mm -hmm. now he said he couldn't shoot off of like, I want to say either his pinky or like his, his ring finger, he had to start shooting off his like middle finger or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he had to change where the most of the, the touching of the ball would be. Right, and where it would spin off of. And that's muscle memory. So the things you do as a kid, he had to break just mm -hmm. because he broke his finger, which I thought was like very, um, it just shows a certain level of adaptation that I don't think a lot or adapting that a lot of people aren't used to and don't want to do because sometimes we get so confined and comfortable in our own boxes. But this is somebody that although he was in the box of basketball, he still found ways to break out of whatever should have been just normal for him. That that goes into him also speaking about using his left hand and learning how to shoot with it. Right. He didn't want to have a weakness. So he felt like I need to be able to shoot with my left hand the same way I need to be able to shoot my right hand, especially for moments like that where something was wrong with his right hand. He's like, I'm going to get the job done <laughs> with right. my left hand. And there was a big um, there's a big clip of him doing that. He was at the corner three, and he's trying to get to the hoop. 
and the defenders, he's playing the Mavs. They like close them out. And the buzzer is about to go off, the shot clock buzzer. And you think it's over. Like, that's it, right? People got to throw up a wild shot. He came. He turned into the left hand because now he's at the baseline corner of the three next mm. to the Mavs bench. And he shoots basically the longest two. He's right, right in front of the three-point line. Right. He shoots a long two, left hand. Goes straight in to the point Mark Cuban was like, had to clap for him. <laughs> But that was how he thinks, right? He you, he yeah. was knew that moment would come. A lot of people would have to shoot into the right hand, into the defenders, where he turned into the left hand, where there was basically no more inches. That was the most amount of space he could get, and he made the shot with the buzzer going right at the same time. Right. Amazing. And for him to have that already programmed and downloaded in his mind to do is the amazing part. No, absolutely. So I'm just kind of going through the pictures, so don't mind me. Trying to find out like some other stuff I want to talk about. No, I'm doing the same because there's so much in his book. He thought sometimes you have to put your team on the team on your back, and I think he felt like he always wanted those big moments, which I thought was amazing. And he talked about that, especially especially Phil Jackson talked about that when um, mm-hmm. Kobe went to his first mentor in Jerry West and said, "Yo, how do I score 30 points like you did when you played with Elgin Baylor?" Mm-hmm. So it was more of like he knew Shaq was good, but he's like, I'm not going to limit myself because Shaq is good. Like we both can be good and win championships. So he was trying yeah. to get insight with that, and Phil naturally was like perplexed or come about that because he thought that meant that he's not going to feed Shaq the ball the way they needed to. But I don't know. I guess it was like for Kobe, it was like a game within a game. And I think if you play like that and you do things like that, it makes life still enjoyable, even though you might. Even though the world might see that you mastered a craft, to you it's like it's so much more I still haven't mastered, and I think that's mm-hmm. the game he was playing. Yeah, he he loved the constant push for more, to accomplish more, to learn more, to be able to to be capable of more. Right. Because in the book, he's showing footwork, um, pictures of his footwork, balance, like things that look like a normal play to us that probably watch everyone else play or even moves that we've done when we played in the yard on uh, the, the courts. To him, it's like he, he examined why it was wrong, like the littlest mm-hmm. of things. And I thought that was amazing, you know. Like, Speaking of the footwork finger, thing. The yeah, yeah, he, he was amazing. I, you know, I, I get excited, right? I keep cutting you off because it's just no, so no, no. much. I, I, I appreciate it. He talks about how when he suffered the worst um, ankle sprain of his career, right? And he said, this was my worst ankle sprain to the point where he couldn't train throughout the summer. It was like, literally, he had to stay off of it in that way. And he was like, how do I work even though I can't play? And he took up tap dancing. This man was next level. Yeah. He took up tap dancing throughout the entire summer so and, and read more books. And it was more so like, how do I work around my work? And I think that if we could all figure that out, because there's so many things we could take from other places and bring it into what we do. And especially when we feel like we can't do something, it makes me think about piano playing and how I was figuring out or looking up how to like learn piano. One of the things they say is even when you don't have a piano in front of you, you can tap a table to work on your muscles, right? And your fingers. Mm. So it makes me think of how he said he had to tap dance because he couldn't actually play the game. And he was still working even when he had to stay away from working within the, on the court. It was like work around your work. Right. Effective things that everybody could take to, to their field is amazing. But you got to have the will, right? And I think that's what I'm learning now is like the information is out there. It's like who has the will to do it? Because it's not easy to wake up every day and make it a habit. So I think that's the interesting thing is like you got to have the will to like follow the Baba mentality or anything close to that. So mm-hmm. what else am I looking to see? Um, I can bring up I can bring up a lot. Listen. Yeah, you can take over, man. Help me. Another thing was he was always looking for answers to even questions he hadn't yet discovered, right? Like, I don't know what to ask, but he's looking for more. Right. And I thought it was amazing how he, this mentality comes from this book, but there was a situation where he had to, where he was looking at soccer players 
and was trying to figure out how to improve on things that maybe someone else doesn't realize like there's an area of improvement. Like people think this is how it is. Is there anybody to help him improve? Like you would think in the case of Nike, right? They're bringing him the newest technologies for his sneakers. They're, they're trying to elevate, you know, his performance through the sneaker, but he would bring ideas to them. He wouldn't wait for them. He brought the idea right. of bringing low tops, the low tops from soccer, the idea of how soccer players could stop on a dime, have tons of control and the low cut shoe, the low cut cleat wasn't a barrier for them. It wasn't a hindrance. Right. And he was like, why can't we bring this into basketball? And for them, it was like, well, we've always had high top sneakers, right? From the first Converse sneakers, right? This is just the way it's done. Kobe doesn't care about how things were done in the past. He was always forward thinking. And right. now to this day, we have um, Kyrie Irving, we have Kevin Durant. We have all of them are using low, low, top. low profile, low top sneakers. And yeah. Kobe brought that to the game. He revolutionized. You see, I always thought that was um, a KD thing. I didn't know it started from Kobe, to be honest. With you. No, well, I was. I didn't thing. know. I didn't know Kobe sneakers like that, so I wouldn't have known. I remember it was a sneaker that he had. Um, it had a snakeskin um, look on it. I want to. I don't want to say is that. I think it was the eights at Nike because I know he had the Kobe eights at at, um, at Adidas. But mm. I think it was his eights with Nike that um, were the sneaker to be the first low tops wow. in basketball. Yeah, he's one of the few people I know that had two major deals: one with Adidas, one with Nike. So I thought that's that how good he was, right? Well, that and because yeah, I mean, I know the controversy. We're not going to bring up the controversy because we always <laughs> no, no, talk about how great this man is. But of course, no, absolutely, the reason he switched or was what left one was the controversy. But he made the most of it, which is no, no, still absolutely, cool. which is still amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's so much, so many things. He talked about Allen Iverson and how incredible he thought he was. Mm -hmm. That was and, another great thing about this book. He. He saluted a lot of people and right. what they were great for. He this book is not about like just Kobe. This book is no, actually yeah. about all the great things he has learned from everyone else. And that is a great thing to take away from this book. He was looking towards everyone. Right. I think he felt Kobe. I don't think he would ever admit this, but I think he thought a lot of people were naturally better than him, but he put in the work where he was clearly better than everyone kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? I like, think he kind of, he kind of says that. He kind of says that in a roundabout way. He kind of says that. He he knows people just right. won't outwork him. Right. He's he's naturally in awe of their natural abilities, but he's like, but they, they still was an effort with me when it came to like everything else because of the work I put in. Like Similar to what I think. He wouldn't go to practice. <laughs> right. Similar to what I think um, Will Smith is kind of like and mm -hmm. why he's great. When he says, that he wasn't necessarily a great actor naturally, but he like said no one would ever outwork him. And he kind of stayed true to that and look at where he's at today. So I mean, that's how he was effective on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He rehearsed the line so much that he was mouth lip lipping or mouthing, sinking mm -hmm. everyone else's um lines. And that just that just shows you once again, this book, the mentality is a great word that is in this um title because this mentality it, it transcends just basketball like everyone who's at the top of their game are using these type of ideas right and i think one of my favorite um players is like the first person he talks about which which is vince carter so i'm gonna read um kind of what he talks about when it comes to vince carter and if you will find the athlete you want to talk about that is your favorite um just to follow about. along what page was that um 136. All right, thank you. So Vince Carter brought the best in me. He came into the league a few years after me and set the world on fire. That's part of the conversation of who was better, Vince or AI. I played with Shaq, so at that point, I wasn't even in the consider in the conversation. I was an afterthought due to those loud whispers I always had extra oomph when I played against him. My mentality was I was going to play him on both ends of the floor, and he was going to have to help have help guarding me. By being able to score on offense and personally shut him down on defense, I wanted to let people know my place in that conversation wasn't even up for debate. So that shows like he was aware, but like he still had that, I don't want to say cockiness, but like confidence. Absolutely. Confidence is a good word. Yeah. yeah. 
that um, he was really much better than, than Vince in his eyes, but not because Vince wasn't talented himself. Well, I, I think it goes back to circumstance and how he knew he was aware of what was going on enough to be like, this is why I'm not in the conversation and this is why they are totally fine, but I'm going to change this whole conversation and this is my plan of action. I'm about to right. tackle it like this. Like he really is, has a, uh, talked well about McGrady and a few other athletes. So if you have one that you want to... Um... Kind of well, I, I like the way he spoke about Rodman and, and um, oh, okay. Rodman and Jordan and how the Bulls would defend him. And But he loved the challenge. Like for him, you know, some people would, would think, oh, I hate playing against this guy. Right. So now it's personal. I hate this guy. Kobe was not like that. It was like, yeah. I welcome that you are the best at this thing. And I can't wait to figure out how to best you. Like I want to make myself better through what you're the best at, and I'm going to overcome it. Absolutely. He said that with Dennis. And what I found, that was, no, you're absolutely right. What I enjoyed is that he had players that weren't even, like, all-stars. Also, they told him how it was pretty good, like like Bruce Bowen Mm -hmm. and, like, different things like that. And although it's not in the book, when he was a kid, he wanted to be like Jalen Rose, the same person that hurt his ankle. Mm -hmm. So, like, it's just funny how, like, the world of COVID was still full circle. Because when he did that jump shot, when he played against the Pacers, when um, Jalen Rose purposely put his foot underneath him <laughs> and hurt him, it hurt him. <laughs> so, I just find that, that, that dirty stuff. That was oh, that, that dirty stuff. Yeah, that was late 90s, early 2000s basketball, for sure. He had to figure out his ways around it. But he, right. he wasn't scared of none of it. And that's, that's what was so cool about this book, this book talks about like those challenges that he had to either overcome the fear or overcome just someone else's like shrewd like craziness and he he was down for any challenge yeah i think also helped the, the places he called home right like first he was like a foreigner in italy for a bit and then yeah. coming home to philadelphia like i feel like those are just two different shocks and different worlds that like like if anybody knows about sports and like sports fans of Philadelphia, like they're very tough and harsh. So mm-hmm. if he can enjoy that there, I feel like anyone else would have been like a piece of cake to him, and he just took that mentality with him wherever he went, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like, can we talk about how amazing he he knew it was to be a reader, right? Like we're talking sure. about reading his book. But he knew he also needed a mental edge. And I know we're talking about mentality, so it's, like, very redundant. But no, but yeah. I was going to say, even his that, love yeah. for storytelling, right? Like, him finding something that's considered totally outside of what you would think Kobe would be into. It's, like, him wanting to be a storyteller made him invest in the hours and the mental preparation and practice of, of reading different books of all different elks. So, I, yeah, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. I like, though, that he was reading to strengthen his mind. So, like, it was reading and meditation were the two things he knew he had to work on his body, had to work on his muscle memory with what he was practicing. But he took it beyond that, and he read a lot of books. And you can tell when he was interviewed everywhere, like, he would refer back to things and the teachings of, of all the authors and how he was using it and applying it because he knew that was the mental edge. It was knowing an other information that I can use in the, in basketball, right? Like this is an idea that I'm gonna bring into basketball and even just working out my mind by reading these books, right? Just for the sake of like working out my mind. No, absolutely. That a meditation friend that he got from um, Phil Jackson. Right. He talks about the um, the Laker-Celtic rivalry from, like, that he was able to be a part of, even though that was on way before him when Magic and Bird was playing, and even Bill and... Um, part of the reason he wanted to be a Jerry Laker. West. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool that he talked about, like, those rivalries and those, some of those players within that situation, like um, Ray Allen and, and Paul Pierce and different things like that. He also talked about 
how Kevin Garnett wouldn't talk trash with him because like it right. bring out that competitive spirit that he's gonna go harder now. Like yeah, and, and that goes back to his meditation because he knew how to zone out beyond like you're talking crap to me. A lot of people that throws them off the hinges. They can't handle like how do yeah. I get through this person talking trash because I get so emotional. He would not get emotional. He would get more focused and attack harder. Which is like us. Something has to be, although you think your like your life is fixed, something has to be slightly broken for you to be able to be like that. <laughs> like, uh-huh. Yeah. Because that's like just not. It's very hard for that to be the case in many, many avenues. He he said Kevin Kevin Garnett never directed one word of trash talk to me. <laughs> right. And if you hear a Kevin Garnett um, interview, they talk about how Gary Payton taught them like a few little quick tips. They're like an all-star game, and since then, but Kobe, Kobe asked, right? And then it Kobe, wasn't Garnett, he just happened to be next to it. But Kobe was like, Yo, how do you do this? You know? Right? And then Kobe, I don't know, it became like all time, all team defense, like three or four years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, that just shows yeah. you because, to be honest, I don't even think LeBron got an all, he might have one all defense, but like for Kobe to have like four or five and still be like a leading scorer, like, I don't think people understand how hard that is to do. That's not like a such an easy task to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And he talks, he kind of, he kind of, <laughs> not on purpose, but he kind of talks about um, Shane Battier not being who he thought he was supposed to, well, Shane Battier being a good defender, but it didn't matter because like the, the basket stays stationary. So that shows the level of focus and meditation. Like, I guess of like mm-hmm. just to look at one thing and focus on that thing. Yeah, has different photos of the way um, that um, Battier is like trying to guard Kobe, even like covering his eyes. But like he already knew where the basket was from all his mental preparation, so it didn't matter for that. Like that didn't. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool that he like explained kind of that moment with him, and then he talks about Metal World Peace a little bit. Um, I feel like I'm just going into a rant that I don't mean to. So sorry about well, one of the cool things I thought was on a national um, when he when they played in the Olympics, mm-hmm. and he talked about how he used that time to really work with um, Dwayne Wade, and Dwayne Wade was really good at the fast game and and stealing. So he was like, "This is an opportunity for me to really work on capitalizing off the steals." And he wanted to be, he used that time on Olympic teams. Like, there's plenty of scorers here. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to worry about my defense, and I'm going to try to shut down their best player every night. And then he would have kind of Dwayne Wade there in tandem with him, and he used that as his motivation. Like, I got D. Wade here. Me and him are on the same page. We're both going to shut these people down. So he used the opportunity to do something else. He was like, y'all don't need this much scoring for me. Right. I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the biggest the best defender on the scene. No, I thought that was amazing that like you're the best score out of all of them, but you still chose to be like, no, nah, I'm gonna do defense. I'll let y'all worry about this. He saw it as an opportunity. It was beyond like, oh, I need to score. He saw it like this is a perfect situation for me to be the best defender. Like right. It reminds me I, although Kobe did it at a higher level, it reminds me of when Kobe, I mean not Kobe, Jordan and Pippen chose to shut down Tony Kukoc. Mm-hmm. So like they decided just to play defense and let everyone else worry about the offense. So like I just thought like that level of, of tenacity is like something that is should be rewarded and and should be talked about for sure. So when you were reading this book, did you race to the end of it or did you like take your time and like really sink in all the information the very first time you read it? Mm-hmm. It's written so simple but so clear. So it's it's hard enough to just keep flipping the pages because it's just so interesting on how they decided to execute the book so well at this time when i read this book i was reading a a lot of books at that time i was reading basically a book per week so with this book i kind of like slowed down because i didn't need so much time to get through it like i didn't need an entire week but at the same time i'm into the photography and graphics of everything like i'm always like breaking that down when i see like a subway ad or i see an album cover so this book to me while i know it's not very dense with, with writing is 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 full like someone like me who loves visuals 
loves right. graphics. There's tons in here. Like the photographer in his book, like, that's amazing. I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose any of the the details because how he was captured to me was also artistic and poetic. It it worked with the words. Like each photo perfectly aligns with the text perfectly. Like it's the it, it perfectly exemplifies what he's talking about and it kind of made me slow down more because I wanted to read every word since it wasn't many. And then I wanted to see the pictures and really read the room. Like there's one picture of him in the locker room at during the Olympics, uh, team USA. And he's showing, he was talking about how all the players were listening to music, singing and dancing. And that's how they got into the game. But for him, it was the opposite. He silence. wanted to hear the sound of the room. He wanted to observe everyone as he got ready for the game. He kind of like wanted to be more still in that way by being more present. And this photo shows you like him prepping, putting on his socks and how everyone's lacing up sneakers, but they got headphones on. Kobe don't got no headphones on. Those little details make you, you know, just enjoy the book. And I feel like it makes you move slower. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I didn't rush. Right. I I was so into the book that after I read it, I probably text you like the next day, like, yo, I just finished the book. We got to do a podcast about it. That's how enthused I was about it. So, Yeah, facts. I and what I do what... appreciate about Kobe is that um, he said sometimes he would wear the headphones just to keep people away from him so he could still say then then instead of trying to talk to him, which, which makes sense. Exactly. Also very smart. Women, women do that on the street, so men don't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> True. So, what scene um, struck with you, stuck with you the most? Well, even though it's not a scene, like what, what chapter, what section kind of stuck with you the most? I would say it was the routine. Like I know, I know, like at the yeah. end of the book, he speaks a lot, in particular, about certain players and like what they brought to you know his game by like challenging him or whatever. But I like the beginning of the book where we were focused on like how his days went on on game on his day, how his days went on game day, how his off season was, how his um, routine for workouts, how he was thinking of building muscle when he first got to the league. I love all of that, like more than I even care about, you know, how he played against Trace McGrady. Right. Like that's cool. But I really like how he became who he was. And that was the beginning of the book. True. I feel the same way. I really loved hearing about the routine and his his tenacity and his focus to get there, right? So mm -hmm. you being a musician, you having a media company where you do photography and film, how would you adopt the mama mentality as H. Billy? I guess is the question I have. Well, that's, that's a good question. Um, I was brushing up on this book today and it instantly like reignited something in me that I felt like maybe, you know, I'm letting time go by, by not focusing in on certain aspects. And that naturally came to me. So I feel like what I'm trying to figure out now is staying effective and doing it with less time but still finding more time in a way. Does that make sense? Like no, taking yeah. time away from other things. I think it's something that me and you talk about a lot, right? Because anytime you ask me what I'm up to, I'll tell you what I just finished accomplishing. And you like, you did all that today? I'd be like, yeah. And you, and you would ask me how. And me not putting two and two together, it's it's the just prioritizing your time, right? And not letting idle time become your, 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 your enemy. So mm -hmm. I think once you do that, I think you'll find out you have to, a whole bunch more time for family to spend with friends. But mm -hmm. it's like, once you knock out the work first, everything else becomes simple. So exactly. I want to get back to waking up early again, because I kind of fell off of that routine a little bit. But I used to do five o'clock, 4.30 wake ups when I was like mm -hmm. in writing mode. Like I would wake mm -hmm. up to write, mm -hmm. my little, do my nine to five job and then do maybe a little bit more writing. So I definitely want to get back into that, but I have to find things that I'm passionate about to wake up that early if it's not writing then maybe it's for me to read and finish out a book earlier than than i anticipate myself finishing so i just got to find certain things that gets me excited to wake up out the bed because it's hard especially when you're in new york it's super cold you just want to stay mm -hmm. sheets so i definitely want to reignite that into my 
my lifestyle again is waking up early just to like focus on getting some things done for myself so I don't have to think about it in the evening and there's no reason for me to be tired because I already did it, you know? Uh, same thing. I want to adopt more of that in the same way that you do. I've um, kind of like pushed myself at night to continue working, continue working to the point where I wake up late the next day. And it's something about, I might still get the same amount of time in a day, but it's something about waking up late that messes with you a little bit. Like you feel like you've lost time. It's it's right. interesting. Because the but, sun's out. That's when we're supposed to be up. That's when we show yeah, yeah. different endorphins. And, and yeah, your circadian clock, I believe is what it's called. But okay. basically my main thing I want to take from this book is the focus. Like I yeah. think he also mentioned it in his book. He's like, it's great to be good at other things, but he's like, if you want to be great at something and be known for something, you have to be focused. And revisiting this book instantly made me think of how I was going to use it in both worlds because I feel like I'm spreading myself thin. And like you said, I, I'll, you know, marvel at what you accomplish in a day because I feel like I haven't been able to check off everything the same way you have, but it's really because I'm doing a lot, but I'm doing so much across the board that a lot of things are going unchecked in my day, you know, and I have to focus in, get my checklist going properly within the music and, and my video production company. So I feel like I could actually accomplish more by doing less. And that's what I, what I'm taking from revisiting this book. Yeah. Also from a book I read that's not this, but it kind of ties in with the focus and the mentality is the seven um, daily habits, the seven habits to be highly effective, but mm -hmm. highly effective people. Yeah, yeah. Another One of the habits is like making a list and then from there, like checking things off the list. So for me, it's more of, um, I use my Sundays to be like my brainstorming day of what I want to accomplish through the week. And if I get to check all that off, then I, then I can live with myself. I don't I don't feel like I wasted time, right? So it's like I think me doing that helps me prioritize what's realistic and what's like an ambitious goal for the week, kind of. And like, how do I get it done? And then it makes you just be mindful and prioritize that. So I think that's something that I think a lot of people, if they were to do that, they'll feel more better about their time. Yeah, you you saying that right now is perfect timing because you know as I was saying, I want to focus in more. I just recently got into actually writing things down. I've been doing it with my iPhone, the notes, and you have always been like giving me books and things to write down like plans and uh, ideas. But I just let things like, you know, be in the air. Like, oh yeah, I remember that. And you tend not to remember it. So yeah. um, thank you for saying Sunday is the day that you write down your goals for the week because that is a, a very actionable approach that I'm going to have to implement in this perfect time because I, I want to focus and, and I now realize how important it is to write down your ideas, write down what you've learned, write down your, your goals for the week. So perfect time. And thanks for saying that out loud because no, I'm going to take what Kobe said and what you just said and I'm going to change my life further. I appreciate that. I just think it's easier to do it on Sundays because that's usually a day for most people of meditation. Like I watch my Joel's thing with my wife. Uh, read a little few chapters of a book. It's just a day of relaxation where I can really have a moment to think and not just mm -hmm. be going so much that I could think of what I want to accomplish for the week. And I just make sure they're always aligned with whatever I wrote down at the top of the year of what my initial goal, bigger goals were. So mm -hmm. it's just about small checkoffs to get to those bigger goals. So that's all. I'm going to do the same. Um, do you have anything else to say before we close out on the Black Mamba book? I just want to say, I think everyone should, you know, browse this book, especially if you're someone like me and Brinson who are constantly looking to improve and, 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 you know, just, I don't know, really improve and accomplish. I think if you are trying to improve yourself and accomplish more then this book, while it's basketball centric, it's, it's, it's more than that. You can, everyone can Absolutely. use it. So everyone should try to give this book a chance. And it looks beautiful on your on your coffee table at the very least. Right, absolutely. It makes me want to buy a few more coffee tables. It's just I gotta figure out. Yeah, yeah. Doing. This book was beautiful. I left it on on our ottoman for for weeks just to keep <laughs> seeing it there. <laughs> nah, I super enjoyed this book so much, and um, I'm grateful for uh, just you doing this podcast with me. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for making me revisit this because I literally read it a year ago. So it's been a year that I let these concepts kind of like drip, drift off. And I, I think you kind of adapted that though this year, probably without you realizing it. It's just you staying consistent of releasing the song every week with you and your, your family. Now that I think about that. No, no, without a doubt. I've definitely been using it, but there's so much that I'm missing out on that I, I'm like, if I if I bring that in right now, ooh, right. like I'm going to do some good things. So I'm going I'm to use all right. of that. Right, and for realizing that. No, of course. And although this is not being released right away, like we're doing this in the top of the year, so you have plenty of time. So, mm -hmm. so I'm gonna do a lot. You too. Thank stop you. playing, because you have <laughs> been of this mindset without this book before this book. Well, I and appreciate you. That. You move like a great, and you will be a great. The amount of work you have been able to, you know, you're, you're extremely prolific. You've been releasing tons of book books. And even with your, the way you use your time, you're very focused and how you said you were going to use this time now to read tons of book and take in new information and inspiration. And that's exactly the type of stuff this the, this person in this book mentions. So, right. And I think that's how you I become mean. that's how you become great is. You got to leave a mentality or a certain level of dedication that people can have a respect for like. Mm -hmm. You might not be the biggest Kobe fan, but you respect the way he got approached his day to become great, you know, like exactly. So I think those are the things that people in our culture, in our society truly appreciate from Kobe. And maybe that's why I hit everyone so hard. Now that I think about it a little bit more. So thank you again, H. Thank you. Mom mentality. Yes. Everyone go get that book. Please listen, like, and subscribe, download this podcast. Where can everyone get you before I close out? Um, basically, H Billy is everything. If you type that in, Billy with an I at the end, not a Y, um, you'll be able to see my beats on YouTube, which I'm not producing at least publicly. I've always produced, but very cool. And then uh, uh, my media company, hbillymedia.com, you can actually see what my video production looks like. And you can check out the music if you go to H Billy on YouTube or iTunes or the Roy Mob, which Age Billy is a part of. Thank you. This has been Americana Quill, Writer to Writer. Please like and subscribe. Have a great day, guys. Yep. Yeah.